Well, um, today we're going to kick off a new series called The Way. The Way. We'll be doing this for the month of December. And, um, you know, you've probably heard this term before, but, but um, I'll, I'll get into just a minute while we're, while we're doing this series. But, um, you know, today we're going to be talking about relationships. And really, what does Jesus have to say about relationships? What do the scriptures have to say about relationships? And how do we really follow the way of Jesus in this? Um, and, and, you know, we, we need help on this because relationships just can get weird, right? I don't know if you've experienced any weird relationships. Um, I've experienced several. I've experienced awkward relationships. I have some current awkward relationships. Um, and uh, not with any of you in this room, but... But, um, you know, relationships can get a little messy, they can get weird, but they are God's idea. And so just because they get just, just because they get weird, they go awkward, messy, doesn't mean we don't press into them, it just means we actually got to figure out what is God's way of doing relationships, because if we keep trying to do it our way, we're going to keep coming up against a wall. And God has solutions, he has answers when we do hit those walls. But, you know, relationships are funny because, you know, one moment you could be laughing with someone, and the next moment they're storming out of the room. That could be a marital dispute, not that I or anyone on our staff has ever had one of those, but um, if we did, that's kind of what would happen. Um, um, one day with the coworkers, you'd be high-fiving, celebrating a, a project or a win or a big sale, and the next day, they're not talking to you anymore. Um, relationships can get weird because, let's play out this scenario, not that it's happened to many people in this room, but a few maybe. You're in a life group, you develop a friendship with the opposite sex, and you're the dude, you go ask her out to go on a date, and you've kind of... You've kind of measured it up to now. You think this, this, this could work out. And so you go on that big first date. You're super jacked about it. But there's no second date. And so you're thinking, hey, I just want to be friends. And it just gets a little weird transitioning back into friendship after a date, right? I mean, this is what happens to us. And so relationships get a little awkward. They get a little weird. But God has a plan for how we can resolve that weirdness, that, that tension, so to speak. And all of us have relationship fail stories. I have dozens and dozens of them, which I will not go into now, maybe in, in one of my memoirs later on in life. But um, I have a lot of fail stories. Um, and, and I think if we're honest, we all do. Like we've all failed at relationships, be it friends, be it roommates, be it dating, be it even with our children at times. We failed in, in communicating and loving them in the proper way. But God is going to help us. And relationships are vital because they really are at the center of societies. They're the cause for many wars. Relationships are huge. And I would argue that relationships, if you're going to be a student of something, be a student of people. Right? And, and just so you know, you can't get a degree in that. Right? Um, last I checked, there's not a degree for student. I mean, just for like measuring people, figuring out people, relating to people. Like, there, there, there's not a degree for that. But all of us, our entire lives will be interacting with people. And to be quite honest, in business and in family and in relate, all of that, it's like you've actually got to be pretty good relationally. That doesn't mean you have to be Mr. Extrovert. There's a lot of extroverts that actually cause a lot of pain to people. You know, they just, they just blow stuff up everywhere they go, and it's like they don't care. You know, there's introverts that they, they can do the same thing. So it's not a personality deal. It is a hard deal we have to learn and figure out God's ways of doing relationships right because in the end of your life, that is what we're measured by. I mean, ultimately, it is how do we treat people? How do we love people? Yes, how do we honor God in a relationship with him? And how do we honor and love people? Love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. That sums up the whole law, the prophets, everything. So it's like, okay, we need to put our attention there. So we're starting out this series 
on the way with relationships. And we're going to cover two things today, just two, because there's probably 10, 20, 50 ideas and topics about relationships, and that's great. But today, I just want you to capture two things, because I think in this month in December, with traveling, with holidays, with Christmas and New Year's, with family, with situations going to be coming up, you're going back to see old high school friends, who knows what's going to be happening, you have an opportunity, and I don't want you to miss it. You have an opportunity that actually you don't get the rest of the year like you're going to get this month. And that's for our entire nation. Our entire nation actually has a chance built into our rhythms of gaining an opportunity to find relationship restoration, to actually find, to, to find the opportunity to, to create wholeness amongst relationships, be it with mom and dad, cousin, aunt, uncle, friends, who knows, but there's a chance. And so I'm preaching from a place of us not wanting to miss the chance that God's laying out for us. Now, what's interesting is that we're tied in this series called The Way because we really want to be followers of Jesus. We want to follow him and how he does things, meaning we want to follow his ways. But in Psalm 103, 7, we see before Jesus ever came to earth, David writes this, and he writes this of Moses. He said, he made, his, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. He made known his ways to Moses, God. God made his ways known to Moses, but his acts to the people of Israel. What is he saying? He's highlighting that Moses sought relationship. Israel sought the miracles and blessing. Now, relationship, miracles, and blessing are all good. We can all say, yes, those are actually all great things. They all come from God, yes. But the desire was the priority scale. Moses is prioritizing relationship. He wanted to know God. He didn't just want stuff from God. He wanted to know God. Now, in John 14, fast forward, Jesus is now on the earth. He's ministering. He's doing all sorts of stuff. And he's with his disciples. And he says to them, he's going to a place, which we know to be heaven, a place. He's going to go prepare a place for them so that he will then come back and bring them there. So he's talking to his disciples, and they're a bit confused, right? So they're, they're a bit confused. And in John 14, Thomas pipes up, and he says, um, Lord, we do not know where you are going. Because remember, at this time, Jesus, he was happening. He was the real deal. I mean, there are bread and fish getting multiplied, people being raised from the dead. He's standing up to the Pharisees. He's having dinner with tax collectors. He's ministering to people. He's showing the kingdom of God. It's like, whoa, I mean, this thing just got going. What do you mean you're leaving? I mean, well, at least can we know where you're going? Right? And so this is the question. But what does Jesus say? He says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did you, did you hear that? He, he didn't say, Thomas, I will show you the way. He said, I am the way. Moses knew the ways of God. People of Israel knew the acts of God. Jesus is trying to say to his disciples, I am the way. Relationship is the way. Thomas, you want to know where I'm going? You just got to know me. You just got to know me. Well, hey, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You have relationship. Thomas, disciples, you need to know that it's actually not about do we go right or left on this road to the fourth. It's actually about would you just know me, and as you know me, 
Then as we go down the road, you will follow me, but it is from a place of knowing me. And you'll get to be a part of the things that I'm a part of and sing the things that I am doing. But it is about me. It's not about, can I just hop on to the Christian bandwagon and kind of do the right stuff and check off the list and make sure that I'm going down the right path. It's not about going down the right Christian path. Did you know that there are seminary professors in our country that do not believe in Jesus, but yet teach on classes of theology? Did you know that there are people, good people in our country that apply Christian principles, biblical values to their business, to their family, and their success there because they're actually from God, and when you apply the stuff of God, it actually works, and yet they don't know Jesus. Did you know there are people all over the world who know about Jesus? In fact, I was just in a country this summer to where the majority of the nation is Muslim. The majority of this nation, they know about Isa. They know who Jesus is in the sense of, hey, he was a prophet. And in their, in their, in their text, it says that he is a prophet. They don't know Jesus as a person, as a son of God, as the Savior, the one able to take away their sins, and then, by the way, to give them life. But they know of him. Actually, a lot of the world knows the name Jesus, but they don't really know him. They've heard stories. I heard he did this. I heard he did that. That's interesting. They don't know him. And for the five of you in the room that just raised your hand, you just said, yes, I want to know him. I don't want to show up to a building like this, sit in a chair and clap my hands and walk in and walk out. I actually want relationship. I want to know him. Because Moses was applauded for knowing the ways, meaning knowing him, not just receiving the blessings. Now, in order to walk this way, to know this, we've got to apply some things to our lives. And so I want to talk about two things in regards to relationship, about this relationship with him. And by the way, everything we're talking about, it is first and foremost, there's a relationship having to be formed here, and then that's where it flows out, right? Again, love God and love your neighbor. It's not love your neighbor, then love God. It's actually love God, love your neighbor. It's relationship with God, then relationship with your neighbor. If you do that, it actually can work. And so we're going to talk about two relational resolves that I want you to carry, specifically in the month of December, all right? Now, I I don't have a tattoo personally, but I do today, okay? This is a Sharpie tattoo, all right? It's washable, I think. Um, But this morning, I was like, you know what, Lord? There's a lot going on. I'm a pretty distracted person because I have five children, I have dogs, I have a house, I have people here on a staff and a church, and by the way, I want to go do the Christmas stuff too, and there's just things happening. So I I can get pretty distracted. I was like, Lord, what can I do so I'm actually reminded of actually following through with what I'm preaching today? And so he said, hey, put on your wrist. I said, okay, cool. So I got a little something on my wrist, all right? So we'll get into that day. I know you're curious. What does this mean, right? We're going to get there. Okay, so... We're going to go after two relational resolves, all right? The first one is kindness, kindness. Now, when I say these, these are not like rocket science, like, wow, kindness? That's deep, right? So you guys are like, come on, did I really, did I get up for this, for kindness? I know you. But here's the deal. If you're interested in simply applying Christian principles, then you will stay on the surface most of your life. And you live on the surface, and you get to the end of your life, and you say, wow, I stayed on the surface. Now, you stayed afloat. You didn't go deep anyway. But if you take things, and you actually say, no, 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 there's actually a reality that Jesus wants to take me to a deeper place. 
where it's not just, oh, by memory, I do it naturally, but it's actually there's something of a deep conviction inside your soul. You're like, no, this is who I am. Because this is who he says I am. This is the relationship I have with him. And by the way, this is what's going to flow out of me. Kindness. Titus 3, 3 through 5 actually ties the way of salvation to the kindness of God. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Remember it says we used to be. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know none of us want to sit here and write out the 100 things we used to do, but I'll tell you three that I certainly used to do on a very consistent basis, which he lists out here. Slaves to various passions, guilty. Foolish, guilty, guilty. And envy, guilty. I was guilty of all three as being part of my lifestyle. Not just a once a year thing. This is like part of my makeup. This is who I was. But I'm so thankful for the kindness of God reaching into my life and yet saying, guess what? There's kindness that's going to lead you to repentance, which is what it says in Romans 2. God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, which means kindness has the power to warm the hardest of hearts. It has the power to. I know what you're thinking. Tyler, you don't know my family. I'm going to Christmas. None of my family knows Jesus. They actually hate me. They never give a mission trip. There's no, you don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand. But he does. Because he puts you in that family, by the way. I don't know why or all the ins and outs. I don't need to know why. I just know you're there now, and you have a chance to be that shining light, that little candle of light walking into the room this dark and lightening it up. And you have the chance. You can't control someone. You can't, you can't make them do anything. That's not, what the, that's not what following Jesus is. It's you know him, and then all of a sudden you then flow out, and you respond to people. You get a chance right now to go engage people with the kindness of God. Now, what does Jesus say about kindness? In Luke 6:35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the most high, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. I mean, really? We got to be kind to the ungrateful does anybody know of a child that has ever been ungrateful? <clears throat> you should all be raising your hand because you were too. I have five children. My children do not wake up saying, Dad, can I please have green beans and broccoli and thank you for everything you're putting in front of me. It's delicious. I have children that sometimes do this. Mom cooks the food or dad cooks the food. It's good for you. It's nutritious. We've really thought about it. We shot for it. It costs money. We spent time and you put it in front of them. They're like, Hmm. You ungrateful little child. You know, just that's what I want to do. I want to shake them into submission. Eat the food, you know? Right? When you're a new parent and you're like, oh, I mix up this fun little organic, natural puree of all sorts of kale and spinach. I know you, you know, and you're like, oh, did Tommy, you're gonna eat the little bite of and just you ungrateful six month old. I mean, this is good for you. You need this, you know. Every time you want to point the finger and get annoyed at ungratefulness, 
you have to say, oh, was I ever ungrateful? Maybe I still am. Oh, right? Oh, I'm actually saved because of a kind God reached down and his loving kindness drew me to him and led me to a place of repentance. Oh, I'm the ungrateful evil one. Oh, oh yeah, envy, foolishness, slave to a bunch of, yeah, that's me. You see, guys, when we get so quick to forget where we've come from, we judge everyone who's not where we are. Right? I've had to learn this. Listen, I was in college too, and I know what my life was like, and I know that I thought I was busy, and I know that I thought the world's overwhelming, and it was at that stage of my life. Looking back now, I'm like, that's a piece of cake. But that's, you know, a few years removed from that. And I remember God convicting me years ago saying, Quit judging a college student for where they are because you were there. You need to love them where they are and help them mature and grow in that place. But they're not 30. They're 18. Give them a break. It's like, oh, yes. So all college students, I give you a break. Not a pass, a break. (laughs) But you know, guys, Jesus teaches us to be kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And that ain't easy to do. Now, what's interesting here, he didn't say there's, there's no prerequisites to your kindness. There's, um, there's no strings attached, actually. There's no prior conditions for you to exchange the kindness of God to someone, which is a bummer, because we want to be kind to people who are kind to us, but that's not what Jesus teaches. You know, we get the chance to be kind to people, and this is good news, because his kindness towards us, we then get to allow that to go towards others, and we get to give them what I would call the Jesus treatment. The Jesus treatment is everyone he encountered, he displayed the love and kindness of God. I mean, all walks of life, it doesn't matter where you're coming from. He displayed kindness. And that's what people couldn't get. I can't believe you're having dinner with him. Do you know where he's done? I can't believe you're talking to this guy. Do you know who this religious, Pharisee, arrogant guy is? Do you know who that I can't believe you're talking to them. He, he, didn't, he didn't look at prior conditions. He said, you're a person that I want a relationship with, and so I'm going to share truth and love and the kindness of God to you right here, right now. So practically, though, I think we need a few kindness tips, okay? So you should write these ones down. They're very simple, all right? Because we need to be people that actually practically walk this stuff out. And so how do you show the kindness to nice people, semi-nice people, and not nice people, right? Okay? So just, that that means everybody, by the way. So so how do you do that? All right, three things, very simple. Acknowledge people is the first one. I know, it's not profound. (laughs) But as I walk around our streets, I would say it is. Acknowledge people. What's that mean? Take the earbuds out. Or is the podcast more important or are they? Is the jam you're bouncing to where everyone else is looking at this guy dancing by himself or is it better to talk to the person? Yeah, you know who you are. <laughs> Acknowledge people, which means, hi, how are you? My name's Tyler. What's your name? Hi, thanks for serving me at the restaurant. Thank you. Let me put my phone away and acknowledge you, have a conversation with you. How many waiters and waitresses think they actually have real conversations with their customers? besides order food, get it back, and complaining. What if we were like, hey, let's be the Jesus people that actually like order food with joy. We're thankful. If it's the wrong order, we're going to get over it. We're going to tip well. We're going to honor, bless, find out about their life, maybe invite them to a life group or say, hey, we'd love to see you around sometime. Interact with the person like you actually care because there's no prior conditions Jesus lists for us showing kindness. So the first one is acknowledge people. Jesus taught us that. The second one is make eye contact. 
Now, I'm not talking weird starry eyes. You know what I'm saying. Like, you know, look, if you're a dude and you like the girl, just, you know, make that contact kind of come in and out, okay? Um, <laughs> because or else she's just she's like, why are you staring at me like that? I'm really engaged. Well, let's not be that engaged, you know? Just, okay, but just, just, just be normal. If you don't know what that is, ask someone who is and just say, hey, help me out. Okay? If, if you're socially awkward, it's okay. I was too, and then I learned. Because I started studying people, right? It's like there's actually no excuse in the room for like, oh, I'm not good with people. Okay, well, you're human, and you've given your life to Jesus, which now he says, now it's time to be good with people. Amen. I don't know. What else to tell you? Yeah. you, you, you I mean, you've got to interact with people. Yeah. Study people. Learn. If you don't know, humble yourself and say, dude, what do I say in this situation? You know how many times I ask questions and learn from people and study people in groups because I wanted to know how to interact with people? Not to size them up and not to sell them something. Because the love of God in me says, I need to love people well. I don't know how to do that. Every time they tell me a story, I look at them like this. And they're like, are you, you're supposed to be laughing right now. You're supposed to be celebrating this victory. But you're looking grumpy. Like, oh my gosh, I am. I mean, I, I remember literally looking in the mirror and saying, Lord, I need to like look thankful. And wow, that's interesting. Like, you know. <laughs> Be, be, because, like, honestly, like, in my heart at times, I was, like, check, I was tracking with them. But my face is like, are you even here? You know? And so I realized their normal facial expression is like this. And if I, you tell me a story that's really funny, I'm like, hmm, that's good. No, I have to express, okay? So making eye, eye contact, expressing your connection with them. And the last one is this, care about them. Actually care. Do not, which this is a temptation for all of us, do not be listening to them while you're loading up your response. We do, we do it. It's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, when are you going to stop talking? I'm ready. Boom. <laughs> Argument, truth, cooler idea, funnier way of saying it, whatever. We do that. Care about them, not about yourself. That's what kindness is. We can teach on selfishness. There's a whole teaching on that, too, if you want that. Okay? That's actually not biblical, though, so I don't know. I'm not giving that teaching. Someone else can, but... But kindness, we're supposed to show kindness to someone. So you're going to care about them, right? So you're going to acknowledge them, make eye, talk, eye, eye contact, and care about them, which the question you're asking when they're talking and you're listening to them approaching, you're listening to them and you're saying, you know, what is it that they need? What do they need right now? They might just need a hug. They might just need you to listen to them. They might just need you to honor them. I don't know what they need, but that's how they've got to show it. All right. Church, I just want to say, um, you guys have shown my family a lot of kindness. Um, I'm preaching a message, not that this is a new idea. For some of us, it is. But for a lot of us, it's by way of reminder. You have shown me immense kindness. People have helped me move out of my house. They've been with us in times of grief, with miscarriages. They have been there to help watch our kids. I don't know how many people have actually watched our kids. Probably hundreds of people have invested in my children on different occasions. You have helped me on little side projects to just being involved in this church. Like, you guys have shown the kindness of God. And all I'm saying is if you're not on that boat, hop in the boat and show kindness and display it at a new level that goes beyond the surface, goes beyond what the world can do and go to a Jesus treatment level. Now, the second resolve I want to talk about is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, Paul actually ties both these ideas together, kindness, forgiveness. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. As God and Christ forgave you. You know, we were just at a, at a team leader gathering, which we had in the Middle East, and um, it was with all different Antioch uh, 
uh, workers we have around the around the world, and and all of our senior pastors and wives in the uh, in the U.S. So there's about 200 people there, and Jimmy Seibert, who's the senior pastor up at Antioch Waco, was sharing a story of when he was in a taxi cab in India, and he was with this Hindu businessman, and they were driving along, and, and he was talking to him, and he said, he said, can you tell me which God is the God of forgiveness? And the Hindu man was silent, and he said, we don't have one. And, and Jesus, and, and Jimmy knew that, and he said, <laughs> hey, he was being Jesus to him. And Jimmy knew that, and he said, you know, let me share with you about Jesus um, and, and the fact that he actually came to provide forgiveness, because I believe in a God that does have it. And as Jimmy's telling the story, he just said, when he first said it, I just started crying. I started weeping in front of this man. And he asked me why I was weeping, he said, because you don't have a God of forgiveness. You have to live your whole life without ever being forgiven. And as he shared the story, the man, he came to faith in Jesus, he he, it was an incredible story, but it was just powerful, and it reminded me of, that's the God we have. We have the God of forgiveness. In 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11, Chris shared this verse a few weeks ago. It says, anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake and the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Guys, the devil is scheming against us. His designs are to create disunity. His designs are to create division. His designs are to divide the family, divide the church, divide friendships. The more division he can have and more isolate us, the better off he is. When we gather together like this on a Sunday, when we gather together in a small group in a home, you gather together discipleship, he hates that. He hates the gathering of believers because he knows what's going to happen. Testimonies are going to be shared. Encouragements are going to be had. Challenges are going to be had. You're going you're gonna to grow in your obedience to God. And he didn't like that. Isolated is hard to do that. But together, it's like, uh-oh, we're powerful. That's what he wants. He wants division. How does he do that? Through unforgiveness. Through unforgiveness. Have you ever stopped and asked the question, why are there so many broken families and marriages across our country? I would peg it on one thing, unforgiveness. Offense that has not been dealt with. Bitterness, pain, hurt. Listen, every marriage, this, the husband and wife hurt each other emotionally, hopefully not physically, but certainly emotionally and with our words, that happens. But it's what you will do with the hurt and pain, which is what determines the health and the longevity of your marriage. Every marriage is gonna have fireworks. What do you do with them? How do you put them out? How do you deal with the scarring and the pain? Our country has a problem with forgiveness. And if they say they are forgiving someone, sometimes it's cheap and it's just words, it's not going deep. But for us as followers of Jesus, followers of the way, that was, that was like, I mean, at the center of his entire ministry was forgiveness. He healed the leper and he said, now go sit no more. He healed the woman caught in adultery. He would meet with the tax collectors. They would then go and they gave three times as much back. I mean, his whole thing was about forgiveness. Did you know there's a God that can forgive you of your life of sin and rebelliousness and it's not about you outweighing it, good versus evil. It's about me taking it from you. That's Jesus. He doesn't say, do a little more, do a little more here. We'll kind of add it all up in the end. He says, no, let me take it from you, put it on me, bury it, kill it, destroy it, and I'm going to be coming out of the grave, coming back resurrected life and say, now I have power, and I'm giving you that same power to choose life, to no longer choose the death, to choose him, but to choose life. That's Jesus on forgiveness. Yeah. Guys, it matters that we are interested in forgiveness because forgiveness can be a one-way street or a two-way street. A one-way street looks like this. 
I forgive someone that's offended me. Either I, I tell them that, a note, or in a text, or I, or I make sure they know that. But there's no conversation had. It's just I forgive them, so I release them, and that's good. That actually frees you up. And so now you've forgiven them, you've let them off the hook, and that is awesome. That's step one. But that does not restore the relationship. You forgiving them with no conversation doesn't restore it. What restores it is actually bringing the two of you to the table, getting the two of you on the phone, saying, hey, I need to apologize for this. Will you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. Hey, this is me. I need to apologize too. Great, relationship restored. I just want to encourage this. You're about to go home to see some family. I don't know if it's mom and dad, grandparents. I don't know if it's two sets of families. I don't know what you're walking into. But here's my guess is that every one of us in the room has somebody that we can forgive, someone that's offended us and hurt us that we have not properly dealt with. And that's on us to deal with that. And then it's also on us to say, hey, would you meet me at the table? We don't want to just forgive them in our journals. We want to forgive them face to face. And we want to say, is there anything I've done in you? Just open up the dialogue. That's the way to restore relationship. That's a two-way street. And that's what God wants for us. Just lastly, to share a couple things. Um, you know, hopefully this kind of makes sense. Um, I, uh, I was driving down a, a small road to, the, to a ranch uh, about a year ago. And um, I, was, I turned onto the ranch road and was getting, getting to the ranch house. And there's this huge tree that fell across the road in the storm. So I'm stuck, and I drive a Toyota Camry, so I wasn't really going to go over that tree, um, sadly. Um, and so there I am, I'm stuck. And uh, I couldn't get, really get around it. It was kind of a narrow road, and, and this tree was just laid across it. And um, I thought at the time, you know what, if I actually had a chainsaw, I could do something about this. I will chainsaw that sucker up, get out of my way, we'll move on on the road, you know. I didn't have a chainsaw. I didn't have an axe. I didn't have a little pocket knife. I had nothing. I, 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 was, I, was, I, I was stuck. I literally could not move forward. Because this tree trunk is in my way, and I had no tools. And I would say the same thing about forgiveness. Many of us, we have a tree trunk laid across the path, the way that we're wanting to try to go down here, and it's in our way. And you're stuck. And you can turn around, you can stay there. But if you have the right tools, you can actually remove it. So I'm going to give you three forgiveness tools, okay? Three forgiveness tools. Just three little things to help you remind you. All right? And I got, and, and, and I want you to remember these because they're very simple, just like in kindness. But it's more about, it's less about how much you know and more about do you actually apply what you know. All right, so here's three things. Number one, you ask the question. Ask the question. Father God, do I have an offense against someone? Is there anyone that's annoying me? You don't even have to ask that question. Just kind of think, yeah, who's annoying me? Yeah, why are they annoying me? Well, they hurt me there. Okay, yeah, I need to forgive them. Put them on the list. Some of you, your list is going to be three people. Some is going to be 40, and that's okay. Jesus did not die on the cross just so you can forgive three people. Millions, if need be. So you ask the question, who have I offended? Who's hurt me? The second thing you do in a forgiveness tool here is to humble yourself, and this is difficult, to actually humble yourself, meaning you don't justify the situation, you don't make excuses, you don't pass blame, and you don't wait for them to realize they actually need to be forgiving you too, so you let them start the conversation. To be a Jesus person, you've got to lead the way. You've got to initiate. Hoping they're going to initiate is hopeful, but it may never happen. When you have the power to initiate the conversation. The third thing is this, is say the words. Just say the words. This may be the hardest part. You can ask the question. You can humble yourself. And then to say the words, which is, I am sorry. Will you forgive me? 
this is how you've hurt me. To actually speak it in the open. I don't understand it all, but it, there's power. Yeah. There's power when you actually say the words out loud where someone else is able to hear you. <coughs> I want the band to come on up and wants to stand as we close up today. And um, if we got our prayer teams, make your way up here. Life group leaders, be great. You know, when my, when my kids uh, offend each other or do something to each other that really hurts, um, you know what I do? I actually make them stand or sit facing eye to eye. You know, children are children. They're kind of a little squirmy, like, okay, Dad, what is it? They're, like, trying to avoid eye contact with their brother or their sister. And, and I'm like, hey, guys, hold on. Look up in the eyes. And they're like, and they look and look away. I'm like, no, 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 no. Actually, look up in the eyes for like five seconds. They're like, okay, and they look. And you know what I found? <clears throat> Real forgiveness in the Hardy household only comes when they stand face to face and they actually say the words. Because, you know, it's really hard to lie to someone's eyes. I forgive you. Right? <laughs> like, like when, when we say I forgive you, when we like pull our eyes away, what we're saying is I kind of forgive you but not enough to really let you know that I really mean it. I kind of forgive you, and I want you to still feel bad about it. But you see, Jesus' forgiveness is look them in the eyes and say, I forgive you. Will you forgive me? And guys, I'm telling you, there is power in eye-to-eye forgiveness. And each of us in this room will have the opportunity to do that with at least one person in the next 30 days. It could be someone in this room, but I'm betting there's a family member or a high school friend that needs to be left the hook. And that maybe you have let off, but it's been one-way street and not a two-way. And so I don't know where you're at this morning, but I want you to know that Jesus is interested in restoring our relationships through kindness, through forgiveness. So we're just gonna worship. I'm just gonna have my prayer team and a few more folks come up here. And if you want prayer, anyone to come and pray for you, come on. If it's if you need, if there's two of you got an argument, you need, you need a third party, we're right here. We'll consult you with the Holy Spirit right here and just, we'll get you cleaned up, you know? But don't leave here without resolving these issues of the heart. That's what we have at the end of the day, guys, is our relationships. That's the make or break of our lives is are we walking in restored places? Are we walking in hurt? So Lord Jesus, I just ask this morning that you would extend your kindness and your forgiveness amongst us as a people. We need it, Lord. And Lord, would you highlight for us, who do we need to forgive? Who do we need to show kindness to? I don't know, Lord, but just would you do it? Would you move in our midst? Spirit of living God, we invite you to come and minister to our hearts and help us to get to a place of freedom and wholeness this morning. In Jesus' name.